From Maine Public Radio and mainepublic.org, I'm Robbie Feinberg with the news on this day in Maine, Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. This Day in Maine is made possible by listener support and by Eastern Basements, a division of Maine-owned Eastern Mold Remediation, offering basement waterproofing solutions, easternbasements.com. Governor Janet Mills today unveiled a 112-page document called the Maine Offshore Wind Roadmap. As Murray Carpenter reports, it's a blueprint for how the state can develop floating offshore wind projects while also considering the needs of maritime communities and industries. Speaking at a clean energy summit, Mills said that offshore wind is a cornerstone of her effort to wean Maine off of the fossil fuels that contribute to global warming. Last week, I directed my energy office to draft a bill that will require a full 100% of our electricity to come from clean energy by 2040. Offshore wind, done thoughtfully and responsibly in collaboration with a a wide range of stakeholders, will be an important part of that effort. Mills says the roadmap, which is available online at the governor's energy office, shows how Maine can create new jobs, fight climate change, and preserve the drivers of the state's maritime economy, in particular, fishing. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Murray Carpenter. Bangor City Councilors are considering a proposed tenants' rights ordinance. But as Nicola Grisco reports, the debate could preview bigger challenges ahead as some state lawmakers seek to implement similar measures for renters across the state. The Bangor proposal would require landlords to give their tenants at least 60 days notice of any rent increase, and the measure would limit the kinds of fees that landlords can collect from prospective tenants. City councilors say the ordinance is intended to address housing insecurity and protect tenants from large and sudden rent increases. But landlords, including real estate broker Emily Ellis, says that most increases in Bangor are minimal and that rents are going up in response to rising costs. And you have insurances that you need, your HOAs, your radon testing, your propane, your oil, your electricity, appliances, your repair and maintenance and upkeep. It's an investment at the end of the day. And I think a lot of people in this room, they make a very modest income from their investment. The ordinance may go before the city council for another vote next week, but some councilors acknowledge they were still wrestling with the details. State lawmakers, meanwhile, have several bills of their own that could provide similar or even broader protections for all Mainers. One could require that landlords give at least 90 days notice of a rent increase instead of just 45. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Nicole Legrisco. And the Lewiston City Council has voted to censure Mayor Carl Shaleen over a draft letter that they say violated codes of conduct. At a meeting this week, Councillor Rick LaChapelle detailed the contents of Shaleen's letter, which was written in support of a proposal from a housing nonprofit in Portland to expand its programs. The letter was never sent, but was circulated among council members. LaChapelle says that Shaleen violated the city charter and council protocols. He does not have the authority to speak on behalf of the city of Lewiston unless the council votes to give him that authority to speak on that. 
The censure passed by a vote of four to three. Some counselors felt the action was too extreme, noting that the letter was never actually sent. In response, Shalene told the council that he withdrew the draft letter based on feedback he'd received. Transportation agencies in southern Maine say they'll cut fares as a way to try to attract new riders. Public bus fares in Portland, South Portland, and the Saco Biddeford area will be cut in half starting on March 1st and continuing through September. Chad Hyde is the executive director of Biddeford Saco Old Orchard Beach Transit. He says the goal is to bring in new and former bus passengers, as ridership is still down by nearly 30% from what it was before the pandemic. And we think that will go a long way in encouraging those to return who might have been hesitant based on the changes that have occurred since COVID, as well as those who are feeling the the pain at the cash pump, seeing what diesel and unleaded cost today. The effort is being paid for with federal COVID relief funds, which Hyde says are also supporting frequency enhancements and improvements to bus stops across the region. And in other news, PFAS chemicals are contaminating marine mammals and hundreds of species around the globe. That's according to the Environmental Working Group. It analyzed more than 100 studies on PFAS contamination in wildlife and found 330 species are affected by the forever chemicals. Dr. David Andrews, an EWG scientist, says there are data that demonstrate how PFAS and PFOS levels in humans and animals decline when the chemicals are phased out. This is not a hopeless problem. This is one that can be addressed and fixed. And it just requires action in terms of forcing the marketplace and forcing the industry to move to safer chemistries. As of January, main manufacturers of products with intentionally added PFAS must report the chemicals used in those products to the state. And by 2030, any product containing added PFAS may not be sold here unless the state deems it unavoidable. And in a look at the weather for tonight, we'll see more snow across the state, likely another one to three inches in most areas. Lows from the single digits in the far north to the teens further south. That snow should wrap up by tomorrow morning for much of Maine. We'll see highs from the teens in the north to the 20s in the south. It'll get chilly tomorrow night before a partly to mostly cloudy day on Saturday. Highs from the single digits to the teens from the north to the coast. And we'll likely see a few snow showers on Sunday. Highs from the teens in the far north to close to 30 in southern Maine. As more Maine residents install heat pumps and solar panels, the demand grows for licensed electricians. Governor Janet Mills' climate plan includes a goal of doubling the clean energy workforce from 14,500 workers to 30,000 workers by the end of the decade. As Carol Bousquet reports from Kennebec County for our series Climate Driven, one major challenge in the push to build the state's clean energy workforce is time. Fifteen students have arrived for Michael Perrin's electrical technology class at the Capital Area Technical Center in Augusta and quickly get to work. I'm just disconnecting the wires from the, uh, the grounding buses, from the breakers, and then the neutral buses, and then pulling them to the conduit just to get them out. 17-year-old Bo Clark of Richmond says he wants to become a master electrician go right in, work as a helper electrician for a few years and get my journeyman's and get my master's and continue wiring houses and 
maybe film commercial and solar panels. This two-year course is full and has a waiting list of 20 students. Upon completion of the class, parents says the students will be well on their way to becoming journeyman electricians. They will have their OSHA 10 uh, safety card. They will have all 576 education hours required to sit for their journeyman test. They'll need to take an additional 45-hour code test. They also get a 1,000 working hours towards their journeyman license. But even with all of that under their tool belt, they'll need up to 7,000 more hours of work experience before they qualify to take the journeyman's license exam. As of 2021, the State Department of Labor says there were more than 3,500 licensed electricians in the workforce. Last year, a survey of the state's clean energy sector indicated that there are not enough electricians to meet existing demand. Respondents said they sometimes have to bring in people from other states to complete projects at a time when electricians are retiring at a faster rate than new ones are coming on board. We're in this position where we're growing electricians internally. We're well positioned for it, but that said, I mean, we're seeing construction timelines that are, you know, more than two times what they have been historically as a result of market demand and the speed at which we can scale to meet that demand. Vaughn Woodruff is training director for South Portland-based Revision Energy, which installs heat pumps and solar arrays. He says that out of necessity, the company has developed its own training center to double the number of electricians it will need to support the company's growing list of solar installations, 1,700 across New England in 2023 alone. Atop a metal roof in China, Maine, a Revision Energy crew is installing a 7.2 kilowatt solar array. Apprentice Yasmin Labardi says she has a college degree in psychology, but is now a solar installer earning a living and building a new career at the same time. They have like the apprenticeship program, so I can become a journey person after three or four years, uh, but also I'm working too, which is good. Crew leader Ethan Duffany studied geography in college, but says he wishes he'd learned about trade careers before he went off to school. I wanted to uh, learn a trade and uh, get a license and eventually have the freedom and flexibility to work wherever, whenever I want and make a decent living doing it. But even as new energy workers enter the labor pool, the real challenge is the time it takes to recruit and train fully qualified electricians. That's why the company is now doing outreach to middle school students who will one day do the work that is needed for the state to reach its clean energy goals over the next two decades. It's time you reconsider how you talk to kids about the trades. This educational video created by Revision features kids talking about the need for licensed electricians and touting the trades as a rewarding career option. I don't want a job that's boring. I don't want to sit behind a desk. I don't want to be tens of thousands of dollars in debt when I'm 25. Everyone, everyone, everyone needs to hear us. While the push to get more electricians into the workforce gains urgency, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics has projected that the number of employed electricians in the country will grow by 7 percent as of 2031, a rate that is only slightly higher than the average for all occupations. I want to save the world. For Maine Public Radio, I'm Carol Bousquet.
And you can hear all of the stories in our Climate Driven series. That's at mainpublic.org slash climate driven. And that's today's main news. For more stories, visit mainpublic.org. And coming up on Main Calling at 11 o'clock on Friday morning, we'll have our month in review featuring Maine Public's political reporters and editorial page editors from across the state. I'm Robbie Feinberg. Thanks for listening. <laughs>